Welcome to the Future Learning Design Podcast. You know, one of the things about values is sometimes there's a conflict between the values that parents and the local community yeah. might have and the yeah. values that the state wants to portray. And I think in the middle of that, you've got what teachers' values are. The idea that we are moving towards a kind of globalised order and that that's a single direction of travel, but that doesn't always turn out to be the case. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast with me, Tim Logan, brought to you in partnership with Intrepid Ed News. This week, my guest is Jonathan James, who is a teacher, education consultant and doctoral candidate at the University College London Institute of Education. In his own research, Jonathan looks at values in education and investigates how policies developed in response to the threat of terrorism are being implemented in schools in England and France. Jonathan has written extensively on the role of schools in anti-terrorism policy and is an expert on values education and countering radicalization. His book, co-authored with Dr. Jan German Janmart, Civil Disorder, Domestic Terrorism and Education Policy, The Context in England and France, was published in 2019. At the UCL Institute of Education, Jonathan has taught on the master's courses Minorities, Migrants and Refugees in National Education System, as well as Comparative Education Theories and Methods. Since 2020, Jonathan has been providing consulting services to the OECD's Education Policy Outlook. You can connect with Jonathan on LinkedIn or on Twitter at JonathanJames30. We dive straight into the conversation with Jonathan telling me what he's been recently working on. In terms of, I think, things that I'm thinking about now, like because I've written a couple of blogs, um, like one for the conversation and one for the CL Europe blog, and I was like, okay, so what are the things yeah. for a lay audience? I suppose it is like teachers in both countries. The challenges are around dealing with difficult conversations in the classroom, and there is there really yeah. kind of flashpoint issues, I suppose, that come mm-hmm. up with the values education. So, like, um, so in France, a good example would be the issue of the Charlie Hebdo cartoons. So that's just the kind of thing that that's not gone away. Yeah. Um, that was kind of a, became a thing with the Charlie Hebdo attacks in 2015, flared up again after Samuel Patti was murdered. Yeah. And that's kind of like an, a long-standing bugbear for Muslim students, I suppose. I mean, you've yeah. got some elements of the government trying to go quite hard on it, whereas wow. practitioners are on the ground are obviously a lot more, um, they want to try and preserve harmony within the school community, mm-hmm. and they're a lot less interested like indisciplinary measures that that create resentment you know yeah there's all sorts of sensitivities in there as well isn't there yeah well, i think so but i think what's interesting in, and it may be again relating to the theory is that teachers uh, they, they, they show a lot of pragmatism in the way they approach these things so with values education you know with, with the government there's a lot of research on how problems are framed at the local level and how they're framed at the national level yeah. particularly in regard to, to immigration politics as well so at the national level there is the will to be seen to be tough on immigration there's the you know there's the background government sort of gesturing to the far right though and that kind of stuff um, and of course that does affect teachers and there are teachers that have those views but in the main teachers whatever their views are really are more interested in being able to talk to the kids about what happened to Samuel Patti without having a confrontation yeah they're yeah. coming at it from a completely different yeah. angle they've got no interest in playing politics yeah uh, so they're coming at it from a completely different angle yeah but there's also a 
pedagogical or like educational philosophical problem about just being able to have difficult conversations and dialogues in a classroom about controversial issues, right? Yeah. Education becomes rather bland if we're not able to do that. Exactly. I think there's a, there's a thing about how you approach it. So I think it's yeah. underlying like pedagogical professional development issues around their actual substantive knowledge of the issues themselves. Yeah. So they need to know what it is they're talking about. You've sometimes got non-specialists dealing with these issues, particularly in the English case I think you get a lot of non-specialists or anyone that's a, a form tutor is expected to teach PSHE for example yeah. um, and deal with these tricky conversations they're also equipped to do that but then there's the emotional I suppose the kind of anxiety that is generated by maybe not knowing the subject matter or being given yeah. a powerpoint an hour before you've got to teach it and having to look at that and just being a bit like oh my god this yeah. of course these conversations generate emotional responses in the students and I yeah. think in the case of France with the Samuel Patti I, I mean I've just been writing up a chapter of a, a case study that I did and the first time I went to the school was just after Samuel Patti was murdered so the whole of the data is kind of like kind of influenced by that yeah and one of the things that struck me is that and this is the same with January 2015 teachers have their own emotions about the fact that a teacher just got killed of course um for showing the cartoon so they're going to be feeling all sorts of things about that. They know that the cartoons are a sensitive subject for the Muslim students in their class. Yeah. Uh, and then they've got to go and lead a three-hour session or two-hour session on yeah. that topic, right? Yeah. And there's so, there's so much going on there emotionally. They've got their own emotions. And they've got yeah. to, to respond to the student emotions. And again, like not, not to avoid the subject. I mean, the way that they did it was quite clever but in this particular school. You know, they, they planned it collaboratively. Nice. helped the, the non-specialists feel a lot more comfortable. They taught it in pairs. They deliberately didn't include any references to Charlie Ebdo until quite late on yeah. in the conversation. Jeez, that was a lot of that was a lot of work for them. Yeah. Um, over the school holidays and huge. And 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 there's so much of it as well. I suppose is about creating a safe space in the classroom. In like. Mm in more than just words but where people genuinely feel that they're free to offer an opinion about things but in a thoughtful way and yes yeah, so yeah you're right it's about it's about them being insane and the, the interpersonal dynamics again i say more in france but i think in england as well so i think the england the, the key touchstone issue there are loads of issues yeah. but the one that's causing this conflict between family values student values teacher values state values yeah. is what well, was the issue around LGBT inclusive sex and relationships education. So I went to one school, which is one of those key schools, well, one of the schools where there were the protests in yeah. the summer after I went with a protest. I mean, it's really complex, but there, unfortunately, yeah. there was a sense of antagonism with the local community. Yeah. And I suppose the kids themselves, because it's a primary school, are not old enough to feel that antagonism towards them, you know? Yeah. And in France, that's much more common, that kind of, yeah. These are our values. We are going to teach you our values. Yeah. You know, that question of who gets to decide, of course, like, yeah, live in society, right? Mm. Um, but I think that if it's framed that these are our values, these are our national values that go back years and years and years, you got, you, and then you lot came along and you have to adapt to them. Yeah. That actually it's going to antagonize people. And just from a sort of yeah. social justice point of view, that's not right is it because everyone who lives in this country all these yeah. kids you know mostly who are born in this country everyone gets to decide what our 
values are. Yeah, but but there is, isn't there a very different approach between the UK and France, right? You know, just reading your research and just in general from my own previous reading, like the multiculturalist kind of agenda in the UK is quite different to the, what, the integrationist approach yeah, in France. Um, I would say, yes, I think that the UK has got more attrition of two things, values, pluralism, kind of like yeah. this idea of values, pluralism, to talk more about um, where values are taught about in the curriculum, which is traditionally very little, it's more about procedural values. So how do you have a debate? Like the procedures rather okay. than the substantive values themselves, where I think yeah. France tends a little bit more towards, if you were on a continuum, you'd have like yeah. the UK on the kind of procedural value side, the East Asian countries on the more, yeah. you know, Singapore on the very moral, yeah. substantive values these is what you should think and feel yeah. and France somewhere in the middle right yeah. um, but already there's quite a big gap with England but that's how does that fit because you've done some work with the OECD mm-hmm. how does that fit with that kind of human value side because I was quite interested in that in the attitudes and value stuff that's coming out with the learning compass work mm-hmm. right? You've got the the attitudes and value, the values, particularly there, going going from personal through to human values, and it it feels to me that there is a stronger emphasis now on on this idea of universally human values like justice, mm-hmm. equity, respect that you that kind of connect with what you're saying about the East Asian countries about more moral substantive values. Mm-hmm. So if the OECD are propounding that kind of more universal human values approach what like how much room is there left for countries themselves to take a different approach you, you know what i mean well is there a kind of bigger universal agenda around education globally that's pushing in a more substantive direction there's a couple of things i'd like to say so i was looking at the 20, education 2030s like report um yeah. what students learn matters you know which is like be, like one of their first publications beyond the learning campus that came out last year and there's a whole section on um student profiles really kind of like things like the learn like the like the learner profile okay. it's amazing yeah. how many countries have taken well but something like yeah. the learner profile what kind of person do we want our students to be exactly um, yeah. and like yeah. and, and as part of the overall goals for the curriculum mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to see how much convergence there is to things like you know agency and co-agency yeah um it's a big thing you've got cognitive and metacognitive skills are there yeah. things like sustainability things that that align with the oecd's global competencies so kind of yeah. like um you know accepting difference all of those kinds of um human attributes which you could say were quite universal what I would also say is that if you look at the countries who participate most in, in something like the Education 2030 project, yeah. Mexico, Japan, South Korea, yeah. uh, Singapore, oh, oh, Hong Kong are there as well. Like, I just think that there are some countries that participate a lot, and then there are okay. other countries that maybe aren't going in the same direction. So there is convergence. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if it's reaching everywhere. Set perhaps set by a global discussion that isn't necessarily representative of the full spectrum of views on it, maybe. Exactly. I mean, yeah. 
one of the things I noted earlier is, and it's a very OECD message, but it is true that it tends to be the high performers or the, the countries that are really improving yeah. rapidly in PISA that are the ones that, that tend to participate most in these kind of global exercises. Yeah. My personal view is that it's the usual suspects that are doing that listening and learning and, yeah. and, and yeah. moving in the same direction. Yeah. So, so then for the national kind of agenda, like in France and the UK, is it, is it being influenced by the global conversation around values or is it, it, does it just feel like it's more, it's going in, in, in the direction that they are taking it themselves? Well, I suppose my research is about how the context of Islamist terrorism in particular, or the age of extremisms more broadly, so you've got right-wing extremism as well, how that's influencing values education. So I tend to see that as being, I mean, it's not the only factor uh, influencing it, but it is a very important factor, right? And I think that, I mean, I think I would go as far to say in the two cases that I'm looking at, I would say terrorist incidents and broader concerns about minority ethnic populations have more of an influence, particularly in the English case, than a kind of values-based yeah. perspective, right? Yeah, yeah. But then, but then what about at the school level? Because obviously there's a lot of conversations that I have in schools with school leaders around the values, that, you know, the values that define your organization mm. and that therefore influence your culture, influence your decision making mm. in an organization. Do people have a, a distinct flavor of those in different places that you see? Or is that set again quite, I suppose it differs in different systems, but is that influenced by the, the national context? Mm. So I think that the governance structures of the two countries that I'm looking at are really important because what you're talking about is a bit more, um, it's a bit more prevalent. If I take the four schools I've been to in, in England, mm-hmm. two of them are values, well, they have official values for the school, yeah. right? One of those is a bit, they're a bit more implicit. One of them, they're quite explicit. So one of them was a, was a newly established um, free school. And so... They set up the school. It was a group of teachers that set up the school. They were very clear about what they wanted their values to be. The values are all around the school. Um, they appear on the kids' report cards. I saw an assembly where they got rewarded for the values and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, and I think that is enabled. So that kind of diversity is enabled by the fact that the, the education policy landscape or the school landscape in England is quite decentralised. Yeah. You can often say neoliberal, but it's very kind of like school leaders have a lot of room to establish their organisation. Or like this yeah. is just this idea that as well, the government gives a group of teachers money to start up a school. That's something that, that doesn't really happen in France, yeah. for instance. And so France is much more of a national education system uh, in that respect. I think there were differences between the, the values maybe being portrayed implicitly in the four schools that I've been into in France. But like none of them are explicitly values-led organisations. School leaders will talk about their values, right. or, and then they'll talk about them in terms of being our values as a school. Yeah. But they won't have a set of values that define the organisation in the same yeah. way. Yeah, because those are set at the national level. Yeah, I think more than that. So what I think, you know, one of the things about values is sometimes there's a conflict between. We talked a little bit about the conflict between 
the values that the parents or the local community yeah. might have and yeah. the values that the state wants to portray. And I think in the middle of that, you've got what teachers' values yeah. are um, and what teachers think they should be promoting. And sometimes what teachers, the values that teachers think they're promoting might conflict of with yeah. what the state wants to promote. And they might also conflict with what the parents might want to promote as well. <laughs> which, which makes it a phenomenally complex position to be in right? yeah, especially true. when you have the, the, as we were discussing these controversial issues like extremism or Samuel Patti or you know really sensitive emotive issues that come up you have to navigate oh yeah, yeah. big time and so even so one of those schools that I said was values led it's quite interesting yeah. that they have these five values and then they they said well the two I spoke to two people from the leadership group interviewed two people from the leadership group and they were like, yeah, our values come first. And they were, they didn't like the fundamental British values policy. Mm-hmm. One of them, the deputy head was like, it's a bit Brexit, it's a bit isolationist. I don't, we don't like it. They have, they so our values come first. But then when you speak to the teachers, I suppose they imbue the school values and fundamental value, British values with the values mm-hmm. they think are important. But there's a lot of unity in terms of race. The teachers tend to talk about tolerance, kindness accepting difference yeah partly because they're working in a multicultural context mm-hmm. they really value those things and i think universally though, i mean out of the four schools like you know, on all of the you know maybe 15 teacher interviews i think maybe 10 of them mention tolerance yeah. kindness and, and actually when you look at the fundamental british value that the government has set out yeah like, one of them is about tolerance but that tends to be the one that features most way yeah. activities in terms of the visual artifacts and displays around the mm-hmm. school. That tends to be the one that rises to the top. Interesting. Yeah, I suppose there's more, in- by definition, there's more inclusivity in that. Mm. So what's the one, what are the ones that, because I'm not actually familiar being British, but I should be, but what what are the fundamental British values that are being kind of pushed and and then and then which ones are the ones which are less popular let's say or mm-hmm. you know that conflict more frequently with the teachers so i think there's dem- democracy the rule of mm-hmm. law individual liberty and mutual respect and tolerance for those of different faiths and i would say that the tolerance one is by far the yeah. one that the schools that give most time to or the my four schools give most, most time to Democracy, people often say, oh, we have a student council and that's democracy, yeah. or we do this unit in history. Yeah. And then the other two don't get mentioned as much, really. Yeah. I think where the conflict with the government framing and the teachers framing comes in is that teachers tend not to like, and this is, well, I'm not the only person that's found this out, like this is any kind of study that you look at, fundamental yeah. values or prevent, is um, teachers don't like the framing them as fundamental British values. Mm-hmm. People will say they're not exclusively British. People will say that framing is not inclusive of yeah. students in my school who don't have a British nationality. So people really react against Interesting. that. Interesting. But would you say there's, is that, I mean, obviously, it's that there's a nationalist agenda going on in there that some people are comfortable with and other people in the UK are less comfortable with. But if you compare, the UK and France would you say that the national the nationalist it, it has more of a, a controversial aspect in the UK compared to in France so what I'd say about that is 
that in France, French Republican values are supposed to be universal, right? So a lot of people respond yeah. to those. The national is not front and center, I don't think, in the way that they are presented. At yeah. the same time, when people start talking about those values, and laïcité in particular, yeah. they'll often talk about French history as well. So there's a bit of a okay. paradox there. So I, I yeah. suppose my answer to that would be, I don't know if people see them as being yeah. nationalist values, but of course, the, the way that they're understood is very much grounded in, in the national. Yeah, interesting. And there's two, I mean, there's two different directions I'd love to ask you, but one is where do international schools fit into this? Because you and I have both had, you know, lots of experience in, in the international context. Where do they sit if you're talking about quite distinct experiences and, and stories within a national context? And then you have these kind of strange transnational education entities floating around uh, you know, in most large cities, of course, there are a number of them. Where do they sit in your, you're not explicitly focusing on them in your research, I understand, but having your personal experience, professional experience, where would you see them? It's mm. fitting in. Well, it's, I mean, two things. I think it's interesting when I mentioned this before, but the learner profile, the amount of countries that are going in that direction yeah, is quite interesting to me. Um, yeah. So that's the IB learner profile, right? Yeah, the IB learner profile. I think that is, you know, one of the things from the IB that has pollinated, you know, into international education systems, even though maybe it's not always explicit within international schools. Yeah. Right? Um, I suppose, yeah, that, that clear set of values or attributes yeah. that, um, that the learner profile sets out aren't always understood that well within international schools but I do think that's had a lot of influence so yeah. I think it's really interesting but but then also the IB have been quite explicitly I remember the phrase values laden in their curriculum right they've always you know ever since the you know the inception of the IB it feels like they've the values have been an explicit part of what they do and yeah of course I would agree with you that it doesn't always necessarily manifest in practice but just as a framework they they seem to have always been quite overt about the fact that it is substantively values driven. Mm. I mean, you're right, actually. If you think about the, the content, I mean, I mean, I taught English B to diploma and the themes that you'd look at, you know, in, in, in the languages diploma or I know that in geography is a lot about sustainability, right? Yeah. And yeah. economics, they'll learn about equality and yeah the arts and humanities subjects it's really yeah. and 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 the and the hard sciences i would say it's very yeah. oriented in terms of um what would we say what would we say global issues yeah. humanistic values the entire in terms of the curriculum content yeah i do think if we look at so i suppose if you you've got values education as a kind of separate subject or in civics yeah. or whatever yeah but then i suppose you've got that kind of cross-curricular aspect yeah right where um yeah so how much going back to your other question as was a question you asked earlier about how much are these kind of like you know things like sustainability humanistic values global insights influencing different areas of the curriculum i think you can see that influence quite a lot yeah i mean there's always been a quite a, an overt political agenda in the ip right if you, you look at their mission statement to to create a more peaceful world 
I don't think many people would argue that that's not a good thing to aim for. Yes. But it is. But it is a political ambition. I don't know. In a way, it is, and in a way, it isn't. Right. So, it's because we're not. I guess we're not going to be. Um, but like the IB is not going to challenge capitalism, for example. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not going to be party political, and it's probably not going to take sides. Mac- macroeconomics. It's not really going to. Yeah. rock the boat right okay. sustainability but the but i suppose it's interesting i mean we're both british but if you look at the since 2010 the way the curriculum's gone and the way the public debate has gone in british i mean that's been a step away from internationalism right yeah so something that maybe we wouldn't yeah. thought of as being like the idea of um you know looking at world literature or mm-hmm. having that global perspective yeah. would not have been very political I would have said that there was a yeah. consensus around that in, in the UK 20 years ago, right? Yeah. Whereas now, yeah. um, with the recent, you've got the fundamental British values is one thing, but that's been accompanied by a recentering of British of English history in the history curriculum yeah. of English British authors in the English literature curriculum, you know, narrowing down of those those two subject areas in particular. Yeah. So that internationalism, I suppose, is not something that we can be taken for granted so much. More, yeah, more politicized. No, that's interesting. Yeah. But it, I mean, it is just, I think sometimes we do forget how political in a values sense or, you know, or in a in a party political sense in some ways, the content of the curriculum is mm. that we we make choices. Right. As educators, we make choices about what students learn. And mm. clearly that those choices have an influence, but they also come from somewhere. So it's, it can never be a values free endeavor. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Because there were always choices to be made. Yeah. And, and then, as you were speaking, I was thinking about the fact that as well, again, going back to that idea of globalization and the, and the global conversation. I suppose one thing that we've learned, again, coming back from a British perspective, is that the idea that we are moving towards a kind of globalized order yeah. um, and that that's a single direction of travel, but that doesn't always turn out to be the case, right? Yeah, yeah. no, so absolutely. Curriculum or politics, like we can move towards a more internationalist, globalist yeah. perspective, but that's not always a linear or no. one, one way move. No, being, being a personal victim of Brexit, it, it certainly isn't linear, exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but then the other direction I wanted to go earlier was just to ask you then about explicitly values, education and civics, which you mentioned. But because I think that's really interesting. And I, you know, that was my introduction personally into education was through the citizenship PGCE, mm. you know, in the early 2000s when they brought it in. And that felt like education was being put to work politically in some ways mm-hmm. to address some of these topics that we've been talking about some of these controversial topics where they wanted a space for debate around connected also with personal and social health education to, mm. you know where do you see i mean in the uk and in france where do you see that being positioned like from a policy level is civics education being used strategically in some ways to respond to some of these things and then just and then maybe perhaps at the school level you know what what role does it end up actually playing so we think that france has got a longer standing tradition of having a civic yeah. education curriculum and that's been re since the january 2015 attacks that's been revitalized well actually the timing's a bit funny because they planned a, 
moral and civic education curriculum for and that was going to start in 2016 but then after the Charlie Hebdo attacks they brought forward the curriculum, uh, okay. roll out the curriculum to 2015 and the other subjects were renewed in 2016. Okay. So I think I would say that the, it would, it's there it's part of a tradition yeah but I think concerns about terrorism specifically and I guess again national unity integration more broadly have meant that that civic education plays a really important role. And I think every time, every time there's been a terrorist attack since then, there's a government announcement saying we're going to reinforce civic education. Yeah. So that's that's France, that's kind of the policy in, in one yeah. way. And England, what we've seen, I think, is a decline in the insti- kind of disinstitutionalization of citizenship education. You know, that was, and again, the timing is quite similar because that was, you know, Tony Blair's baby, he commissioned the Crick report mm-hmm. it showed a real interest in I would say the new Labour government showed a real interest in citizenship education before even 9-11 for example before yeah. terrorism was on the agenda on the political agenda really yeah and then you had 9-11 and it started to get yeah, one of the many purposes that civic yeah. education served was to respond to this particular challenge that got thrown into the mix I suppose a little bit way that um, it did in France but then again, I think the conservative, well, the, com- the coalition government that came in in 2010, citizenship like, education is no longer compulsory as a standalone subject. You've got less and less people being trained as specialists. Yeah. Um, you've got the EBAC now, which means that um, certain subjects like history and geography are counted in the EBAC, whereas citizenship isn't. So that yeah. disincentivizes schools yeah. to invest in it. Um, so it's become less, and then you've got fundamental British values that comes in as a way of responding to concerns about terrorism. But it's not like, unlike in France, where um, in theory at least, the values, all the lessons I've observed, it's been like, okay, here's a value of um, equality. This mm-hmm. is how it works out in discrim- anti discrimination law, for example. It's always a connection to the law or the constitution, okay. or something like that. So it's a, it's a values education grounded in a civic education. Yeah. And I think that's a really useful way of approaching it, actually, yeah. um, because the students get a sense of, okay, so this is, and this is a tra- teacher training that I observed as well, the guy leading it explained you know, that, that we have principles and these principles enter into law, right? Yeah. And it's, I think it's really useful for students to be able to say, okay, this is what we believe in. Mm-hmm. And this is how our constitution and our legal framework support that. And I think that's a real yeah. advantage in the French system over the, the English one. Yeah. Unfortunately in France, and I wouldn't say this was universal, but I've had some teachers say that they struggle. So in a lot of the four schools I've been to, civic and moral education is taught by history and geography teachers, but they have like three and a half hours a week with the kids. And they've got yeah. to have history, geography, and okay. moral education. And sometimes civic and moral education gets squeezed out mm-hmm. by history and geography yeah. because of the assessment components in the in the back and in the brevet, um, because of the kind of institutionalization of history and geography yeah. in the French education system. So I think it does sometimes get squeezed out. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and and similarly in in England as well. Yeah, I think the squeezing out is probably a bit more dramatic yeah. in England. Okay. Um, having said that, like I've saw some great citizenship and PSHE days at one of the schools that I went to 
and they, they had like every, all the kids were off timetable for a day and they had yeah. this one on them it was about Bastille Day um, and it was right. about democracy and they had but also led by the French department so it's kind of cross-curricular and, yeah. and that was brilliant uh, I, I saw another one on, um, on race Black Lives Matter and racial equality yeah. and that kind of thing and um, so those schools are doing great stuff I think yeah. but I do think in another school a sixth form college there was a school leader that was really committed to um, citizenship education personally, mm-hmm. but in practice, she didn't didn't feel like she always had the chance to do as much as she or to make as much happen as she wanted to. Yeah, and in terms of because obviously in the UK they were training specifically training teachers with the the necessary understanding and competencies to be able to be an effective citizenship teacher in terms of all the things that that means, facilitating dialogues around sensitive issues. And do you see, or have you seen in the research, a lack of not just the kind of commitment and interest in this topic, but actually a lack of competencies? And, you know, this is no criticism of teachers, of course, but, you know, just in terms of it, it does take us, as we've discussed, a certain sense of the subject etc to be able to do it effectively is that an issue in terms of lack of training capacity development i would say yes i mean mm. i think that um the sixth form college i was just speaking about the school leaders speak at length about how teachers struggled with these issues and the the training needs uh, and the difficulties that she experienced with that so yeah, I think I would say it's a it's a problem in some places. I would contrast that with the secondary school that I went to, where the deputy head in charge of, of citizenship, well, of those citizenship days, which was yeah. a citizenship trained teacher. And so they did they dealt with that kind of through collaborative planning. Yeah. Um, or she would basically plan the sessions mm-hmm. send them to the teachers. And I suppose that would help. And they did a lot of kind of collaborative. Again, it was two people in the room. Um yeah. Things like that help. Yeah. Because, it. I mean, it feels like there's more need rather than less need for people with those competencies, right? Like, I don't know where France and where the UK are investing in that capacity development, but it doesn't feel like there's less need for it. In fact, the opposite. For me, it feels like there's more need for people, educators, to be able to grapple with really difficult, thorny issues whether it is Black Lives Matter or equity and equality or whatever, justice, whatever it is. And, and as you said, with Samuel Kapati, specific instances, it, it feels like they just keep coming. And if we don't engage with them, if we don't engage young people with those, the things that are happening and to be able to be informed and find genuine sources that mm. are valid and, and you know, useful to think critically around these issues, then we're not doing our jobs right? as educators. For me, that's my belief. But do people recognise at the policy level that that's necessary? It's a good question, actually. I think, where, I think the question is where it's coming from. So in France, yeah. one of the uh, the academies, the, which are these kind of 30 territorial delocalised representatives of the Ministry of Education yeah. in the regions, I guess you would say it. So academy level, in one of the academies I've got they've spent a lot of money and they've got a hundred strong group of teachers for training around laicite and republican values and one of the kind of transversal themes 
is discussion and debate. And there's a real awareness on the part of, of the two kind of academies that I've worked with at that level, that there's a need to train teachers in how to lead discussion and debate. And they mm-hmm. both said to me that, that that is not something that comes naturally to teachers yeah. in France. And um, it's not part of the tradition, I guess. And, and there's a real awareness of that. And I've seen some great work happening there. Brilliant. And I, we're talking before about different arenas of policy making, right? And I think that people at the local level, kind of school leaders and those kind of mid-level uh, policy actors, you might call it, who are a bit closer to the ground, I think they have different concerns yeah. than national policy makers. Yeah. So I don't know, like I've never heard Macron or the education minister, Donker, speak about the need to train teachers in discussion and debate. They'll maybe talk more about the content. Mm-hmm. Or they might say things like, oh, we need to absolutely defend the value of laicity. We need to defend yeah. our Republican values. But I hear less about the more practical, pedagogical, nitty yeah. gritty, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and I think there's a tendency, I wouldn't say this globally, but I think that in England and in France, in both countries, I think there's a tendency to forget about the pedagogy that goes along yeah. with these issues. Because often we're talking about the politics, right? Mm-hmm. And, and politicians talk about politics, that's their job. But I think sometimes what's missing from these discussions is, well, we know we need to be talking about these issues, but how mm-hmm. do we actually do it? Well, how do I do it when I've got a group of, of 16-year-olds in front of me on a Monday morning? How yeah. do I, how do we build that capacity? Yeah. Like that's the crucial piece for me because it's not not only from a values perspective and a controversial issues perspective, but also just from a general pedagogical perspective across the board. I mean, if we have teachers who are really pedagogically competent in those kinds of dialogic methods, then mm. for me that would be a good thing in all subjects, not just to address some of these issues but I mean maybe that's just my own educational uh, bias coming out and I think if they've got time to reflect they've got time to talk to their colleagues about these things time to be one of another one of the things in the south of France they're really working on there's one group an online training group that works specifically on teachers reflexivity yeah it's kind of their teachers ethics and their reflexivity on their own views basically interesting and they do training specifically on that theme so I think that's a really interesting way to, way to go as well but i think you're right mm. that the, it's a cross-curricular thing yeah. Mm. yeah no that that's really interesting because as you said you're as a teacher sometimes or many times you have to leave your own values or political beliefs at the door mm. right but but it's very difficult as a, you know to be fully human in the room you know you can't do that entirely right exactly and i think that makes one of the things like Carol Vincent's great book on fundamental British values, one of the things she talks about is that one of the reasons that teachers end up treading on eggshells is because they don't want to be seen to be indoctrinating yes. children, right? Yeah. Um, and that makes, that adds to the kind of emotional clutter yeah. that, you, that you bring to these subjects, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's a highly complex kind of dance that you have to do mm-hmm. as an educator. It's not just, here's a PowerPoint presentation on, on fundamentalism now go teach it right done exactly. i mean it's there's a huge amount going on clutter is a good word it's like mm. it, it's there's a lot to think about as an educator and you know i just as i said i just i think we have we have 
some kind of a moral responsibility to support teachers to do more of that rather than less of that because if we if we avoid it and it becomes all vanilla and and just you know you know we just stay with the safe subjects and we stay with with our disciplines and and anything that's politically inert then we are not doing our jobs effectively mm, absolutely cool thank you man really okay. lovely see you later thank you bye We hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to continue the dialogues with us on social media with the hashtag Future Learning Design and on the Intrepid Ed News website, intrepidednews.com.